Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. I'm going to go back to bless God, bless others, be the blessing. And remind us really quickly, I've got a lot to go over this morning, but really quickly to, that everything starts with the blessing of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everything starts with God's love for his creation. Why did Jesus come into the world? Because he wanted to redeem his creation from their mess. Right? And we talk about the cultural divide and we see our nation and it is an absolute mess in a lot of ways. Well, Jesus came to step into the mess to save us from ourselves because he loves us. He calls sin, sin because he knows it's destructive. It harms us, it harms others, and it, and it crosses his character. And so it all starts with God. And we, we've been using this this passage of Scripture as our launching point. Each Sunday, love has been perfected in us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because love and, fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with nobody loves me, nobody cares, anybody ever feel that way? You feel like nobody loves me, nobody cares. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? He knows your name. He knows what you've been through. And he knows what you've done. And he loves you anyways. That's the best part about it. How many of you have failed? Fallen? How many after you became a believer have totally blown it? And you thought to yourself, how could I? Anybody ever look in the mirror and go, what is wrong with you? Is that just me? You look in the mirror and you're like, why did I do this again? What the heck is going on? Listen, God loves you in that moment more than you love yourself. And that's why everything starts with God's love. And then we take that love and we bless others with it. We bless others in our church. I believe membership in a local body is vital for the believer I don't believe it's optional. I don't believe that God has free agents wandering around not connected to a local church. Local church gives you an umbrella of authority where there's a local pastor and there's leadership that can confront you and challenge you. It gives you brothers and sisters where they can confront, challenge, encourage, and support. And it gives you a, 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 a mission to carry out together. That's our local church. That's our bless others. We, we bless others through our small groups. We have a help a buddy program in our church where there's people that sometimes they can't either afford to do something in their homes or they just need some help in their homes. There's, a, there's an opportunity right now that you can help us with. I believe the day is going to be next Thursday. 
We'll, I haven't told the person yet, but I think it's next Thursday. Um, but the Help a Buddy program, that's loving others well in our church body. Sometimes it's helping people with a move. I know that we've helped people split wood, chop wood down, stack wood. We've done so many different areas of helping in our local body because we are commanded to love one another well. And then bless the others. I already talked to you about that. Take it to the streets, guys. Make sure you grab one of these things or two. Here you go. There's one. Somebody grab that one. There's two. Whoever's closest, Matt, that's got, Matt's got that one. Uh, and take it to the street. Now, we started our eKids ministry. I'm so proud of our children's ministry leaders. They came up with this program, and it's tremendous. And we've been going through the acronym KIDS, kind, impartial, devoted. What's the last one? Serving. So we're going to talk about the servant aspect of being a believer today. Now, don't check out because this is super important. Because as believers, we are supposed to be like who? We're supposed to be like Jesus, right? We're supposed to be like him. We want to be, we want to be like Jesus, right? It's called following Jesus. So when we follow Jesus, we do what? We do what he does. We do what he did, right? That's what being a disciple is. A disciple is becoming more and more and more and more like your master, Think about an apprenticeship. When I was working as a secular job, I worked for a, a, a craftsman. His name was Troy Douglas. And, and we did these uh, high-end countertop things, Corinthians, all this kind of stuff. And, and as I was working with Troy, he was my master and I was a disciple. I was his apprentice. And he had a way of doing things in the shop, right? He would put the build up on a certain way. He was incredibly meticulous. They were, they were one of the best fabricators in New England. And they were very, very good at what they did, which is probably why they're not in business, because they spent too much time doing things that nobody would ever see. But that was how Troy did it. He wanted to do things. He wanted to do things right. He wanted to do it the very best that he could do it. And it didn't matter if nobody would ever see it. He was going to do it beautifully. So the underside of the countertop looked almost as good as the top side. And uh, Patrick worked with me, right? And, and by and large, as I worked with Troy, he taught John Fosher, kid that I worked with, and he taught Jay, kid that I worked with, and they taught me, and then Troy taught me. And you know what would happen? Every single piece of solid surface that was fabricated in that shop, that was sent out of that shop, that was installed on a job site, they all looked the same. They all looked as if Troy built all, personally had built every single one of them. Why do you think that is? Because we were being discipled by our master and we were doing things the exact same way he would do them. And so they were all done, obviously, because it was Troy. And, and I know that Pat can vouch for me. They were all done perfectly because Troy was, I don't want to say asinine, Sorry, Troy, if you're watching. He was very particular. He was very particular. An incredible craftsman, incredible craft. I was honored to work with him. But that's the, that's the point of being a disciple is eventually you become like the person that you're disciples to. Our fabrication techniques, how, we talk, how I talk to customers, it all came from Troy. Now, as a believer, that translates. Jesus is our master. And the product that we're creating, we're not creating a product, but the thing that we're creating is other believers in Christ so that they can follow the master too. 
So it starts with Jesus. It goes to me, it goes to you, it goes to the next person, but every single person is following Jesus, looking like Jesus, loving like Jesus, acting like Jesus, thinking like Jesus. Because he is our Lord and our Savior and our Master. He was a servant first. The Bible says that he did not come to be served, but that he came to give his life as a ransom for all. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20 this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. This is up on the Bible app. So you can go in your Bible app, create an account if you don't have one, and then you can save your notes. You can write notes, highlight, and it will be saved as long as you have that account. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? And those that are great exercise authority over them? We're kind of falling into that right now in our country where those that are supposed to be our servants in government have forgotten their role and they tend to think that they're not our servants anymore, right? And they, they've fallen into the Gentile way of public service and they now, I think, in many cases feel like the public is there to service them instead of the other way around, right? So and that's the way our country was founded on biblical principles, right? So let's go on. He says, whoever desires you, I'm sorry, <clears throat> and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. So there's no argument that Jesus came to serve, and I don't think there can be an argument that Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth because Jesus was God in the flesh. And he gave his life to be a ransom for many. And if you're here this morning and you have not come to Jesus for the salvation of your eternal soul, can I tell you the absolute truth? When you die, you're going somewhere. You're either going to go to hell, away from God, separated from everything that's good, or you're going to go to be with Jesus and everything that's good. Those are your two destinations. Uh, there's no purgatory. There's no working it off after you die. There's no people praying you out of hell and into heaven. You got to make that decision now. And the only way to get to heaven, the only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to be restored is through Jesus. That's why he came. He gave his life to be a ransom. That's a payment for many. Who are the many? Anyone who will come to God through Jesus. Anyone who will believe that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross and rose from the grave, who will turn from their sin and trust in him, you are one of the many. I hope that you'll do that this morning. I hope that you'll consider that this morning. In fact, why don't we take a moment if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've never trusted Jesus as my personal Savior, but I have come to recognize that without Him, I'm lost and I have no hope, maybe this morning you'll trust in Christ right now where you sit. If you've been struggling with doubt, maybe you'll lay that doubt at the Savior's feet right now before we go on with the sermon. Lord Jesus, I come before you. Lord, and I pray for those that that don't know you as their personal savior, that right in this moment, you would convict their hearts. Maybe they've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe they think they're a Christian, but they've never placed their faith once and for all in your finished work. Maybe they're trusting in themselves and their goodness and their works. And Lord, reveal to them that it's not about that. It's about you and their faith in you. 
and their sickness of this world. And I pray right now where they sit that they would turn their hearts, minds to you and say, Lord Jesus, I come to you, a broken sinner by birth and by choice. And I believe that you died on the cross and you paid the ransom for my sin. And I believe you rose from the grave that you are God in the flesh. And I'm asking you to be my personal once and for all Savior. Father God, I offer to you the sacrifice of Jesus for my sin. And I trust that what you said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is my best way of doing it. Lord Jesus, Father God, save me. Oh, Lord, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer, that if they did it with faith and sincerity, that you would visit with them confidence. Lord, that you would visit with them love, that they would have no more fear of judgment because they have received the greatest love the world has ever seen. In your name I pray, amen. If you're here this morning and you've prayed with me and you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, I hope that you will share that with me or Peter Clow, who was up here, Angel was up here. Talk to one of us after the service. Go to that next step page on our website. Click membership, click baptism, click I want to talk to a pastor. We would love to sit down with you and talk to you about this experience that you've just had in trusting Jesus and maybe share with you your next steps and where you can go from there. How did Jesus serve us? Well, number one, he came and he died on the cross for our sins. But what are some other ways that you can think that Jesus served us? Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn to a bunch of scripture, but I'm going to give you some ideas of how Jesus served his disciples. And you can add to these in your notes. If you think of something that I haven't thought of, write it down and let it be an example to you. How did Jesus serve? Well, first of all, as I mentioned, he gave his life for us. He sacrificed for us. Jesus did the hard things. And I'm afraid that Christianity today is afraid of doing the hard things. It concerns me that the church has become a place of convenience instead of a priority, instead of a conviction. We come when we feel like it. We don't think it's important. Well, my friends, it's vital. I've already mentioned that. Membership in a local body, serving through a local body is absolutely vital to you and it's vital to the world. Jesus' first act of service, the greatest act of service rather, was his sacrifice for, him, for the world. He sacrificed himself for the world. I know some people that won't sacrifice a Saturday for Jesus. We have a work day coming up. Pat just texted me a little bit ago. We have a work day coming up July 10th on a Friday. Um, not sure what time. I'm sorry, Saturday. 9 to 12, July 10th on a Saturday. And I'm afraid people are, listen, that's my Saturday. I can't give up my Saturday. One Saturday a year, you've got to be crazy for me to come here on a Saturday. Well, there's two because we have a cookout coming up and we might even do more stuff on Saturdays. But the point is this. A lot of us have created a church of convenience instead of a church of conviction. And sacrifice has become a dirty word. Well, sacrifice was the chief attribute of the servant that was Jesus Christ, that is Jesus Christ. He sacrificed his life for you and for me and for those that don't even know him yet. He gave his life. Secondly, think about this. That as he was going to prepare himself to go to the cross, he gathered his disciples into this room. It was called the upper room. And he's sharing a meal with them. It was the Passover meal. And he, he, he lined his disciples up and he took his robes off 
and he washed his disciples' feet. A tremendous act of humility and service. And there's so many spiritual overtones to that act that I'm not going to get into today, but I want to get into this fact that he humbled himself as a servant to those who were his disciples. And he knelt down and he washed their feet. And again, the, the spiritual overtones is that he was cleansing them from sin, not just from dirt on the ground. But think about that for us as a church. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. And so when we're dealing with one another, did you know that I sin? Sometimes I'm not a great guy. I know all of you are shocked except for Pat, uh, Kelly. But most of you are like, oh my gosh, you sin? Yeah. Uh, and, and there are times where our leadership team has to kind of overlook some of my stupidity. And they have to love me through my, through my uh, irritable Eric phases. And they have to wash my feet. And I have to love them and wash their feet. We serve one another. Jesus was our great example of humility. Without humility, forget about serving others. We have to be willing to do whatever, whenever. And we don't, listen, we can't care about it. As far as, oh, that's beneath me. There's too many people that think serving is beneath them, that vacuuming a floor is beneath them, that washing a dish is beneath them, that setting up a table is beneath them. Folks, we need to have a spirit and a heart of humility like our Savior. He turned water to wine. That was his first miracle after the conception, the immaculate conception where the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she was still a virgin and yet she was pregnant. Arguably, that could be the first miracle, but the first miracle Jesus did as an adult, was turning water to wine. That was an act of service to his mother and the guests and the host of that wedding. Jesus was a servant. Sometimes we look at Jesus' service and we say, oh, he went to the cross and he died on the, sins for our, uh, on the cross for our sins. And that was his act of service. Jesus' whole life was an act of service. Turning water to wine for his mom out of his love for his mother. He turned this water to wine and that announced his presence to the world that the Son of God has stepped on the scene. Turning water to wine at a wedding. That's pretty cool. An act of service was the announcement of the Savior. He provided for his disciples. He provided for his disciples. I think of uh, when the temple tax collectors came and confronted Peter. You guys haven't play, paid your temple tax yet. And, and, and Peter came to Jesus and he says, hey, hey, go fishing. And when you catch the fish, open its mouth. And out of its mouth is going to be enough coin to pay all of our taxes. He provided for his disciples. He, he, um, he, he, he broke bread with his disciples. Right? You follow? Uh, three words I've taught my son. Two words until he hit puberty. And the third word was the the, the, I added at puberty. The first two were provide and protect. I wanted this kid to know that as a man, he provides for his family and he protects his family. Provide, protect. The third word I thought of as he was hitting puberty and I gave him the talk. You know what the talk is? Any parents ever have to give the talk? You know where I gave my son the talk? At the truck stop on 3A after football practice. It was awesome. He's all sweaty. We're having grilled cheese and french fries. And I choose that moment to have the talk. And I added a third word. 
respect. Provide, protect, respect yourself, and respect the girl. Folks, we, we need to learn that, that serving is, an, is, a, is a way that we provide for one another. We provide for our loved ones, but we also provide for our church. That's an act of service. We provide for our church. We protect our church. <clears throat> That's an act of service when we protect our church. Folks, I hope that you'll consider this. This was Jesus. He provided for his disciples. He protected his disciples. He respected his disciples. And then he cooked breakfast for his disciples. An act of service. The favorite, one of my favorite things, the gifts that the church ever gave me was for pastor appreciation last October was that Blackstone griddle. I mean, it's, it's a Jesus gift because I get to cook stuff on it. Folks, we... It, it, an act of service is when we, when we prepare things for one another. Prepare a meal for a family in need. Have you ever done that? There have been times where people have had babies, like Sarah just had a baby. Uh, um, Katie just had a Katie Chamberlain just had a baby. Um, yesterday, I just found out, Bruce showed me, Grandpa Bruce showed me a picture of the baby. Hey, Katie. Hey, JJ. Congratulations. I don't have all the details. I know she was like 18 inches tall. And I don't know, I don't remember what you said about weight. How many pounds? Four? So I see all the women in the church going, that's not fair. And she's healthy and she's happy. They had to take her as a C-section. So pray for Katie's um, recovery and stuff, but what a great couple, JJ and Katie. I got to know them through counseling, and I've known JJ since he was beating me at a snowboard game on PlayStation. Um, thanks for humili- humiliating me, JJ. Anyways, I, I digress. We, we serve one another by, by cooking for each other and making meals for, for families in need. We've done that so many times. If you get a call or I send out an email through our, through our, through our, 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 our software program that says, hey, we need meals, can I tell you, if you're serving, if you're living a life of a servant, I should get 100 emails back saying, what do you need, when do you need it? And then I should be turning you away. I should be turning people away from serving in nursery. I should be turning people away. But the problem is church is a convenience and not a conviction. Church has become a convenience and not a conviction. We should be turning people away for setting up and tearing down Be Blessed Block Party. We should be turning people away. Cindy, my sister-in-law, leads our cleaning ministry. We should be turning people away that, oh, I want to vacuum the church. Oh, we don't have any room for you. Or it should become like a once every six months. Oh, that's my turn to vacuum the church. My turn to clean the bathrooms. Instead, it's like we have a very small crew. Folks, if we understand that Jesus was a servant and it went beyond going to the cross and dying for us, it was his entire life. He was cooking breakfast. He was providing finances for his family. Jesus was a servant and he is our example. He is our, listen, he is our master. Like Troy was mine when I was working for Dave and Troy for for, uh, um, Countersmith. We should be doing things like Jesus did them. And by the way, everything Jesus did was well. He did a fantastic job with whatever he had to do. He did it well. It wasn't half-baked. It wasn't thrown together. 
It wasn't the dredges of whatever he had left over. He served well. He cooked breakfast. He taught and he preached from the beginning to the end. Sometimes we don't think of preaching and teaching as serving, but folks, that's serving. That's my primary place of service is preaching and teaching. That's the gifts that God gave me. It's to preach and to teach. It's an act of service to you. He didn't stop there. He mentored all the time. Every, every relationship Jesus had was a mentor relationship. He invested in people. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought of doing that? See somebody a little younger than you or maybe has less experience than you and mentored them, poured into them, helped guide them as they're navigating this insane life that we're living. It's really satisfying when you, when you talk to somebody and say, hey, watch out for this because I went through that. Man, you don't want to. And then you watch the person say, that's a good idea. I think I'll avoid that. Folks, we mentor people to Jesus, but we mentor them in life. And, and I, I love talking to married couples and giving them some of the things that God has taught my wife and I. We've been married for 31 years and, and, and a lot of our marriage has been kind of easy. It's not always hard work. There are some hard things, but we love pouring into other couples and sharing with them uh, ways to avoid some of the massive pitfalls in life and then also sharing with them ways to restore your relationship through repentance and forgiveness. We're to mentor people in Jesus. Those were just some of the ways that Jesus served us. Now, I know that, listen, I'm not going through all four Gospels, but I would challenge you, when you're reading the Gospels, look for the ways that Jesus served, practically speaking. Because we are to be like Jesus. There's so many more ways, but I want to bring us back to that verse where he was talking about leading. The Gentiles lead, right? And they lead by taking authority and overlords, right? He warned Peter and Peter told the church, hey, listen, if you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be a leader, don't lord over God's heritage. Be humble. Be a servant of all. And so real leaders serve. I have leaders right now. You're in the church. You got to understand this. The church is not here to serve you. You are here to serve the church. From the top to the bottom, we are a servant leadership. I remember when Trisha and I came back to Emmanuel and we'd be doing a fellowship and my wife and I'd be setting up tables and chairs and she's got a rag and she's wiping down some tables and I'm doing this and people come up and, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You're the pastor. You shouldn't be doing that. And I appreciate the, the thought process, right? Because my main ministry needs to be mentoring people and teaching and discipling people to Jesus. But I'm also a servant and it's okay for me to grab a vacuum cleaner. Listen, unless there's something else pressing where I need to sit down and talk to somebody. That's my main act of service. But real leaders serve. Real leaders serve. They're humble. They're willing to do things uh, that maybe even other people wouldn't do. Jesus cooked breakfast for his friends. We're called to join Jesus in his mission as servants of all mankind kind. We have been called to serve. Jesus is our greatest example. So this is your homework for this week. This is your homework. Next week when we pick this up, 
we're going to be asking the question, what are some ways that we can serve? Because remember, we have a master who is Jesus. Can I hear an amen on that? Who is your master? Uh, the, the apostles called themselves bond slaves, bond servants. That means they willingly put the, the manacles of slavery upon themselves to Jesus. They felt that Jesus, and they believed it, was a worthy master. In other words, they bowed every part of their life to Jesus. You want me to do this, Jesus, I'll do this. You want me to do that, Jesus, I'll do that. You don't want me to do this, Jesus, I won't do that, I'll do this. And so we pick, up this, uh, pick this up next week. I want you to have gone through, maybe w- work through some of the four Gospels, see how Jesus served, and then look at your own life and ask the question, am I serving others? How am I serving Jesus? How can I serve Jesus? And I'm going to talk to you about how we can serve and and where we should serve. And we're going to go through Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 and 15. We're going to look at Ephesians 6. You can jump ahead on on the Bible app if you want to. You'll see the scriptures that we'll be talking about next week. But we are called to join Jesus in his mission as the servants of all mankind. Those that we like, those that we don't like. Those that drive us absolutely insane. We are called to be servants. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.